Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, your source of accountability, inspiration, and motivation to become your best and reach your fullest potential every day. Our motto, it's simple, to use our determination to crush our everyday leadership tasks so that we dominate in our delivery of services and products to our clients and achieve victory and personal growth, profitability, and creating environments for those around us to prosper. Let's get this show started. Welcome back to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast. This is your host, Elena. I am so happy to have you listening in with us. Please don't forget before we hop into the episode to download and subscribe to our podcast, whether you're listening on Apple podcasts or whatever software you prefer to use. We greatly appreciate your feedback. You can also leave a review and a rating for us below where you can also drop any questions that you'd like for us to answer. Or if you're connected with us over on social media at Centurion Leadership Battalion, you can also submit questions to us that way. But we have Justin on with us, so let's get him welcomed and warmed up to the conversation, and then we'll hop into another Q&A. Hi, Justin. Hey, how are you today, Elena? I am doing well. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am doing very well. What's our question and topic for today? Our topic for today is how long does it take as a leader before you get followers? Oh, wow. Um, I forgot I wrote that question. Um, okay, that is a very good question. And actually, I asked it because I had a, one of our interns yesterday was in the building and they asked me the question. So this one won't take very long. So it's a good, a good question. Um, but the interesting thing about leading is everyone assumes that because you're put in a position, it's called positional leadership that, uh, and I think John Maxwell, um, did I say that right? Um, John Maxwell. God, I'm, I'm all, yeah, all over the place. I think he's the one who, who really, I first saw a coin of what positional leadership is. And it's purely that I deserve to lead because I'm in the position I'm in. I haven't really earned it, but someone put me there and now I just, I lead it. I didn't re- earn respect from everyone around me, but then I demand it almost when I'm in that position. And so it's very hard to get followers if you're that type of person. If you wait for other people to put you in leadership positions and then try to lead and then try to gain respect, um, it's very hard. And in the last episode, we talked a lot about entrepreneurs and leadership in terms of you know what the opportunity is. So it's the same thing here. Um, if you don't start leading right now, you don't start leading a good life with discipline and leading by example and building your character or your integrity um, as your value as an entrepreneur. And we talked about it last time or as a leader, I'm sorry, but even as an entrepreneur, but we talked about it in the last episode, um, part of remaining competitive is not only being an entrepreneur yourself in your business, but is also creating entrepreneurs in your business. And so how could I give someone my plan or my designs or they could produce the food that the stuff that's even scientific that we do that and our recipes, they could have them. You know, that's the thing. And we protect them and and all that. I don't want, we don't want people stealing, but the funny part is, is they're not going to operate the same way they are. They aren't me. They aren't the group of people that are here that are outside of me, like Elena, that are also entrepreneurial within our business. And so to keep up with a business like that, yeah, you can go copyright it. Yeah. You could undersell us. You could make different things and whatever, but in the long run, I think if we focus a lot on relationships, um, you people will follow you and if you focus on doing the right thing by those relationships people look up to it and as an entrepreneur or a leader when you do those type of things you are more productive as a business and you're more competitive so it makes sense to start working on your leadership now it helps keep away competitors it helps build a better business it helps you teach entrepreneurs to be more entrepreneurial 
Um, it helps you find business people that are both managers, leaders, and entrepreneurs, so you can put them in your business. Um, so, you know, what, how do you get followers and how long does it take? Um, God, really? It's what I said yesterday. It's, it's like 18 months of doing something before people really, everyone truly is like, okay, that, that we can see that person as a leader. Some people get it quicker. There's a crisis or you're at war or there's an emergency. And I think it happens for sure. And there's certain people within that that earn it over the long run. I just think it's less likely. I think you, the person's more set up to succeed or able to succeed in the long run and leading successfully over the long run and continuing with continued respect and dignity in the leadership position they've created by taking things slowly, by assessing every situation, spending the time with the individuals, um, not making it because I say so, really listening to who the, the individuals are and what they have to say and how they would build their business. That doesn't mean you need to agree with them, but it's certainly need, you need to make sure they feel heard and listened and that their ideas matter. Um, and there's appreciation for them as well as um, attention to it because we need to give it attention. We need to acknowledge it and we need to, to make it better. Uh, so, you know, how do you do that? I think the best thing for leaders and getting followers is listening. Um, it's being the first to action, um, when there, someone asks for a volunteer, it's being, the first to action when you see a problem. So if there's a bathroom that looks dirty, if it's someone's having trouble and needs help opening the door, if you're a person that's constantly going around achieving small tasks for the people around you and your work or your job or your entrepreneurial business, people will start to follow you. It's not that they owe you anything, but inherently they trust you more. I mean, what are your thoughts, Elaine, on some of this? I mean, how do you feel leaders gain followers? I thought when I read this question, you know, it can go in multiple ways because sometimes you hear followers and in our age of social media, everyone just assumes you mean social media followers. And I think, you know, that comes in a similar manner of a leader just in general with, with followers or I want to think of another word to put that because I think sometimes followers, people can have a negative kind of view of that word of someone just following another person, but that is what you're doing. You know, you're finding a role model, someone who you want to aspire either to be like, or a cause that you also want to care about and you follow, you know, the, that person. So followers isn't supposed to be a negative word, but I think sometimes people can, when you hear that word, oh, they're just followers or he's, or she's just a follower. Um, I think it can be a little negative. So I'm trying to think of a better, a better term for this as I, as I explain. but I think as a leader, you know, it, it takes time to develop that rapport, um, with people who will in turn follow you or support your mission or whatever it might be that you're looking for people to do whatever your end goal is. I think that you have to, live a life. We talk about this all the time on, on multiple episodes. You have to set the example for other people and you have to continue doing that over and over and over and over on your own before people will, will, will look at you and, and think you're credible. Because imagine if you, if you look at someone as a role model, right. And then they change their mission or their goal every month, one month, maybe their mission is, you know, food related. Like we talked about a few episodes ago, you, how you work in the food industry. So someone wants to, you know, reinvent the food chain. Someone wants to do this, that, and the other, and then a month goes by, they're not successful. So they quit that. Then they change their mission and they want to be a bodybuilder and they want to support, you know, bodybuilders and in that niche and that market. And then that, you know, kind of gets kind of get dries out for them. So then they change it again. People need to see that you are consistent and that you are devoted to your goal or to your mission or to your industry, whatever it is. And I think that's one of the biggest things people look for because people want to be able to trust and rely on the person they're looking up to. And if you're always changing, people can't trust and rely on you because they don't know 
are, if I, am I going to hop in this ship and then the captain's going to, going to jump and I'm going to be, you know, left here alone. People really need to, to be able to trust you and know that you are going to stick with your cause and set that example for them. I don't know if you want to play off of that a little bit, but I think that that's one of the biggest things. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, and I'll use followers on social media as well. We can talk about it in both ways. In my opinion, both are true, at least in my own experience. And from what I've seen about a lot of people I've mentored over the last 12 years as social media has really come front and center, although I've always believed in its power. Um, But I think as an individual, I didn't capitalize on it, but it's the same is true. Like, and I see it, whether it's you, Elena, or Trevor, as your guys' social media has grown also. Um, and I work with a lot of athletes. But I got to tell you, you can gain so many followers by doing stuff like lifting weights as an athlete or doing your sport or, you know, being an influencer. But the minute you turn on that authenticity and that vulnerability, like real, not to use it, like to really help grow people and add value in your social media, in your, in your life. And when you open up that door a little bit as a leader or an entrepreneur or whatever, the difference is huge. And your followers on Instagram will, or social media will go down at first. I, you know, over the last year and a half, I've switched my social media, my personal account from being just personal to leadership. And I drop, I think I dropped from like 1700 followers down to like 1100 at one point, just because everyone's like, Oh, Justin's not posting about family and friends anymore. What the heck's this stuff. And I got all the way down to like 1100 at one point, it was like horrible. And I'm like, God, I've done all this with my life. And obviously maybe no one cares anymore. But the reality is, is the people that were in my life or the people I'd supported, I had changed in some way. And so it's a reflection of that. And now I'm up over 2000 again, which is still not Elena and Trevor's or some of the athletes that I work with that are well into the hundreds of thousands or millions. And so the thing is, is that what I learned from all of them is if you want to be the rock, it's not only about being an actor and getting 2 million followers or whatever. It's about being the rock and letting your personality and opening your, yourself up. So it's the same as a leader. Like you want more. It's that same, when we talked about in the last podcast is what, it, what string am I going to go through the most needles and how much work can those needles do with my one string? And so to me, it's the same when my social media echoes my leadership now, which echoes what I do on the Centurion Leadership Battalion, which echoes what we're doing through all of our companies and all of our growth and the students I teach at and work with at Georgia College and so on and so forth. I've just laid five or six needles there with one string. The same message, the same thing, the same vulnerability and authenticity and messages and lessons get get to everyone. Even if they disagree, they're learning something or thinking about it, hopefully. So, I mean, how do you gain followers and when do you gain followers as a leader? I mean, it takes 18 months, in my opinion, to really gain people's trust as humans. It's just the way we are. Even I know people rush into marriage and they've known from the beginning, but there's still a lot of freaking trust building. Regardless, you get married sooner or later, you're building trust at some point throughout it. Unfortunately, the relationships that don't last often are the ones that wait too long to build trust really love and everything else I would say does not have a lot to do with things or money or whatever because ultimately both money and love that most commonly breaks up marriages boils down to trust so um how do you get followers you build trust you got to have consistency in your message you got to show up every day you got to lead You know, if you're going to be there and give a a speech to your people that you work with, make sure you do it every Wednesday or at least once a week, but stay on top of it. If you're going to do social media, you get followers, you got to have some sort of routine. I don't post at the same time every day, every day of the week. I'm just not that person. Maybe other people have found that successful. I switch up my hashtags and I switch up stuff. I'm like, I like variables. I like changing it up. I like keeping it fun. Um, But since I've gone more authentic, um, let the world into my life a little more than just my family adventures and work and leadership, you know, things are back up. And I think 
probably in the next day or two here, we'll probably be well over 30,000 downloads or something. So the numbers are climbing. I know they're not huge. We're not in the millions, but considering we're really less than six months old since relaunching the podcast ish, um, that's not bad. So, um, you know, we're seeing the numbers increase every day. So thank you guys. But the reality is, is how do you gain followers? You just say consistent, you deliver value, you lead in whatever you're doing and don't be afraid of criticism and hate keyboard haters or whatever it is because they exist. You know, it's just the way it is. And when you lead, unfortunately, if you're a high beamer or you're a shining star or superstar, people are just trying to put out your flame. So just, you're going to have to bear with it, but look at them as the people you need to inspire. If you can influence them, you can influence a lot of people. Those are your biggest critics, your biggest naysayers. So if you concentrate on them, even on social media and like not going after them, not attacking them the way you do, but having intellectual conversations and giving factual information and staying calm, the other followers will follow, especially the people that believe in what you believe in. And not only that, after months or even a year and a half or 18 months, as you really start going, those people, you won't even have to reply on your social media or at work. I don't even have to respond to the people. The people do it for me. There's everyone does it. Everyone sticks up for FSP. Everyone sticks up for our culture and our employees and doing the right thing. So, but if you don't do it by example to Elena's point, then, then it doesn't get done ever. So the leaders, the entrepreneurs, the managers, wherever you are, no matter where you are, even if you're in just, in, you know, the beginning stages of just a new employee in the very bottom of a business, the mail room, as they used to say, or in our business, the, uh, it's either sanitation or packer, you know? the very bottom of sanitation, meaning like Porter, like the worst washing that you could want. Although I don't find it that bad. I find all those low, the quote unquote lower positions um, in an organization, the best ones. You learn the most. I learn more about my food doing sanitation all the time. And I learn more about the food doing a packing job, the cooking, all of it, than I learn about anything else. I see every part, but those two things are pretty key. You know how much waste you have, you're pretty good. You know how much plastic's being thrown on the floor and garbage, you have a good idea what kind of shape your operations in or what's going wrong. That's just from my point of view. So how do you get followers, core values, um, integrity, character, um, speaking and being motivational with your words is only part of it. You can write to start and then use words. You can use words and then get better at writing. Or if you suck at both, um, which I did growing up, you know, I worked on writing and I worked on speaking. I'm still not the great speaker. You guys can hear me. I'll throw out a cuss word here and there. I'll get sidetracked. You know, everyone's like, Justin, come to speak for us and make sure you just bring three points. I'm like, yeah, not going to happen. You want me to come bring value to your event and you're only giving me three value points. I thought the point was that I'm trying to give value. You should want me to give as much value as possible so they can go be leaders, so they can go have followers, so they can go help your cause or benefit your school or benefit anyone. Right. Like, it's a funny thing. Like we so oh, three points is enough. All the human can understand that. I don't think so. I mean, I can see that FSP, I throw out tons of complex comp problems and concepts weekly and business school, high school education, whatever people grasp it. It's logical. People can know what it's like to dream and break a dream down in tasks. If you help explain it to them. And then they will follow. But you have to add value and you can't exploit people. There's so many people right now like that have made millions of dollars or done successful businesses in the information technology age and they cannot figure out why their people don't respect them. 
but I've done it. If they just listen to me and do it the way I did, I know, duh, that's your problem. No person is ever going to make money the way you did. And no follower is ever going to lead the way you led. This, and the sooner we realize that, that it's about our differences, biological included, that makes us superpowers, then we'll also get more followers because they'll see that we're leading and encouraging them to lead in a way that's true to them. That ignites their superpowers. That brings about a better person inside of them every day. That becomes a role model to their families and their communities and to their coworkers and to their businesses. But, you know, this question, honestly, I thought it was pretty simple, but, you know, as I've been going around and around in my head on it since asked yesterday, it's a massive question. Because followers is the whole point of being a leader. But if you don't start leading yourself first, right now and for at least 18 months whether it's exercising to show discipline getting stronger starting a diet there's lots of showtime like things that also make you a good leader we need to be realistic leadership is about the charisma it is about the showtime also that's not about lying but when i talk about authenticity and vulnerability what are the extreme parts of your personality mine shoes clothes, t-shirts, jeans. Those are just some of the things that I really magnify to. Four-wheelers, wave runners, motorsports. You know, I like soccer because it's a contact sport, but I also really like like BMX biking when it was like different than the Olympics make it where you had half pipes and stuff like that. And it was fun and dangerous. I like CrossFit because there's an extreme. You know, those are very strong parts of my personality. Those are also the things that attract people to me. So why not turn them up? We're all attracted to people that have money, but what we're really attracted to is the thought that they have the work ethic and the gusto to go make money, which is not true, obviously. Plenty of people inherit money, plenty of people inherit money and go make money and become worth something. But the problem is, is we misinterpret money or someone having money and the comfortability of having money as something safe. The real safety in money is that we assume that along with the wealth comes the work ethic or the values. Because we really assume, say that again, Lena. That ahead. was a really good point. I liked that you said, you know, people aren't attracted to the people with the money, but it's the work ethic and the drive. And I think the discipline too, but people often don't, you're right. Think about, oh, this person, you know, could inherit money or whatnot and not have those characteristics that actually created that wealth. Um, they can come from generational wealth and all of these things, but you know, that doesn't mean that they have that ethic to, to go and do it for themselves. So that was an interesting point. I think, you know, not many people talk about that. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, that's a, it's a deep thing you just said there. And I think we are stumbling across something, which I don't think many people say is that that ability to attract people and then teach that ability to attract people to people that work with you or other entrepreneurs, it's a gift, right? And it's a gift you can develop. But most importantly, it's realizing that when we're attracted to other people, are we attracted to what they have and what we, how we think they got that? Or we, and if so, we better look more at the person, not what they have. Because yes, money is comfortable, but I will tell you that money does not lead to happiness in any way, shape or form. It's still better to have it than not have it. But I ha I've seen more people with tons of money, with depression, endless ability to spend money on psychologists and, and psychologists and pills. And therefore, 
there will never be a solution because they have enough money for the rest of their lives to keep chasing a solution. Right. You can pay for it realizing, but if you're, you gain money and you have some humility and you work with your followers and you, you become wealthy through hard work and hardship and uncomfortability and understanding that you just have to always be stressed and that you're never done being an entrepreneur or a leader to the day that you die. Okay. That's a different perspective. And in that perspective, the wealth and the money, like it lasts us till we die and it's important to go get it, but it's more important to get it by doing the right things and leading by an example. And, and unfortunately on a world scale, there's, inherit, there's castration by inheritance. We lose leaders, we lose family legacies, we lose gusto, we lose um, the chip on the shoulder in the traditional form of going to earn more money or making our money worth more at some point. And so I'm not there. I don't know how you not teach that into a generation that's going to have to happen after me, I'm hoping, because I'll just, we'll create wealth and it'll be passed down. But I was, my father was very hard on me. And because of that, knowing that I ended up in being an entrepreneur with him and working with him, I was never allowed to be looked at by anyone. You know, when I talk about creating all people equal, I believe in that, even if it's family, everyone's the same because my father actually treated us all a little bit worse. So he made sure everyone knew we weren't treated better when it came to food service partners or it came to businesses we we're involved in. And I mean, us as in family members. I just don't think that's the right way. I think everyone's equal, equal all the way around, no matter what. And if I treat everyone fair with the same type of thing as we discussed in the uh, Remember the Titans episode for family movie night, like uh, Herman Boone does with Remember the Titans, you know, everyone gets a chance to play and only the best will play, you know. And two is I don't I, I'm a mean cuss, but I'm the same, same mean cuss to everyone. And by mean cuss, he means he's being fair and he's trying to be equitable, but equitable is not necessarily always equal, but we can treat people the same, but understand that people have different needs that we have to cater to within that. That doesn't mean I'm not holding them all to the same level of standard. That also gets you followers. Is do I have a moral high ground and what is it? as we talked about in the uh, previous episode, Herman Boone's, um, as he led T.C. Williams High School, the Titans, his two main core values and his moral high ground were two things. The best player plays, and I'm the same mean cuss to everyone. And so um, I really think that that's how you get followers. You've got to remain consistent. You've got to remain consistent in your leadership. And if you change, you just need to tell everyone that you grew and why you're doing it. And certainly don't change and take a step backwards. Because, and if you do and you didn't know it, your followers will respond quickly. Because as also was said in the Remember the Times, but we didn't talk about it in the episode, is culture or team mentality or player or, or employee satisfaction or happiness is all a reflection of leadership. And so if you're not getting followers, it's a reflection of you. And that is hard for most entrepreneurs or leaders to understand because most of us get to leadership positions by ego and not listening to criticism. Um, but we get to excellence and superpowers and greatness by listening to criticism and not arguing it and learning from it and growing from it. So how do you get followers? You talk less, ironically. And we talk about that in an episode on here. So I've had to learn that the hard way because as I talk more on the podcast, I tend to talk more at work. 
And I've had to unteach myself talking at work and just listening to everyone and stop trying to teach all the time because I do that on the podcast. Try to add value all the time. I just need to listen and I can add a value with the person individually by listening what they need, not giving a blanket solution like I do for the podcast. So I lose followers, I gain them. It's just part of the way it is as a leader. And as you grow and you push yourself further, you're going to gain more and lose some. I think a little of what we talked about with, you know, leaders and entrepreneurs and growing up and kind of having that wealth or whatever it may be handed to you. I think a lot of people actually do work with family. I know at one point I worked within my family's business did not, you know, end up being what I stuck with, but I did have that experience. I know my significant other, Greg, he has worked in his family business his whole life and probably always will. So I think that's a really normal thing in American society um, these days. But you also have people that try not to work in their family business for a lot of different reasons. And so just out of curiosity, since you know, you've done that since a young age, you've worked with your family and now you work not only with your dad, but also I know you have different family members in your business, even your, your fiance is in part of your business and you have that business relationship. So just with what you were sharing, do you find that difficult to overcome that barrier? I know you were saying your dad didn't want people to think you were treated differently when he kind of brought you in, you know, to, to work within his company. How do you, how did you handle or how do you handle, because it's still something you actively have to do, handle those relationships? Because for me, it was definitely difficult to kind of have that boundary of, you know, okay, family, but also, you know, business partner, that was just difficult for me. Um, So I know everyone's personality is different. So I know we have a lot of listeners in entrepreneurship. So I would assume, but there's also that there's also a few who may work in a family business and have those challenges. So I'd love to hear about that in leadership a little bit from you. Well, it's a good question. Um, one, I grew up on a farm. So I've worked for my parents probably my whole life in one way, shape, or form. That's one. Um, two is um, I never wanted to work for my father ever, with ever. Like it wasn't like we had like a successful thing. He taught me a lot about being an entrepreneur as young and helped me start lawn mowing companies and field mowing companies and fruit stands. And we, you know, we put some business models together to do arcades and like uh, scoot car tourism businesses and stuff like that. So he taught me a lot. He had me start a business called Millennial Bridge when I was in college. Also like selling online, which would now be equivalent to selling cell phones or what you'd see a, a cell phone corner, but it had tablets and digital phones. And it was something of the future. How me do that um, when I was 18 years old also. And then let me be, well, I should say, let me, um, but I was part of starting futures partners because I broke my foot in the basement one summer. And so not only invest in and get to contribute to, but also be a part of actually starting it and go to college. So weirdly even after that in all the years at food service partners my dad would still make I would say make me but it is an accurate statement is I would basically work at food service partners for free for four years and I'd have to go find other internships to prove that I was learning enough outside of food service partners to actually apply it inside food service partners so even with doing all the paperwork even with helping with the Kaiser and then eventually Carillion in 2001 while I was still in college so four years, we get two major contracts, grow the business, whatever. I'm still schlepping. I graduated from college. I was like, God, I'm not doing this with you. Like you made me work for free. And there was a lot of animosity there. I built this business. How dare you? And you know what the money he offered me was like, whoa, are you kidding me right now? So I didn't take the job at first. I left. I like, I, I helped with inventory and building chef tech. Like I always did remotely but I took another job in Chicago between Chicago and Milwaukee and lived in a town called Lake Geneva um, ish uh, Elkhorn, I believe was the actual name of the town and, um, and traveled there and did that, but I didn't want to do it, but I realized that it is what I want to do. 
eventually. And there wasn't a lump sum of money that I wanted to take about working for myself and being an entrepreneur. And I left and took the shitty fucking pay. And I fucking started counting goddamn food costs, like tracking shit in Virginia and in California and like really starting from the bottom, like being a packer, but also doing cost analysis on the recipes and stuff I had learned for four years. You know, and then New York came around in 2005 and I, you know, they're like, we need help up here. We're trying to transition, you know, so 20, sorry, I was 24. So 20, 2005, we initiated, but we started the construction and taking over the building. So it's 24 years old. You know, I'd been in the business for six years and I'm starting all over again every time we open a kitchen. Um, and I've done that here in Milledgeville and we opened the kitchen. I was 40 years old. You know, I've been packing boxes. I clean floors. I've cleaned toilets. I've done maintenance. I've worked on machines. I put a new band on the thing. Is it what I want to do? How many kitchens we have and how much business we have? No, but listen, it gets followers. Um, so my father taught me that by doing the lesson that way. Um, if you're not willing to stand beside your men or even behind your men, you will never be able to stand in front of them. Men, women, whatever. Um, sorry about that. But the thing in family businesses that becomes hard is the dynamics and the growth. So here's the thing that many people, everyone assumes that if you're in a family business, you don't leave. But what happens when you're an entrepreneur or a leader such as I am or my father is in some ways, and I, I learned a lot from him. And right now, you know, I continue to learn from him, but I learn from such a vast group of entrepreneurs and mentors that I'm light years ahead of where most people see me at today. Like I already know a 10 year plan. I actually already have the next 15 years of all the companies in a plan roughly laid out strategically. And in a way that if new opportunities come along, they fit in no matter what, at least the opportunities I'm willing to take. Because just as a side note, getting a lot of followers and leading and building a business and holding a reputation and having loyalty like my father has. Some employees have worked for him, whether they were at Marriott, switched from Marriott to Caterer, Caterer to food service partners in the food world. He's had employees work for him for over 40 years. I've had employees work for me for over 20 years now, 24 years, some of them. So you've got to start thinking long-term to get followers. And if you think it's going to happen overnight, I think we're in the instant gratification that it's not going to happen. And if you think someone knows how to make money, you know, um, making money is a long-term thing. A lot of people don't make any money, but there's also a lot of people that can make money very quickly by finding trends and stuff like that. And then they call themselves entrepreneurs, but they fade out. So leadership is like, it's a long-term mission of never giving up. And it's the same with followers. So in a family business, when you grow people or you have long-term followers, there's competition, family member or no family member to, to compete for those jobs. And if the best plays, the best plays. The best gets promoted. Same with me. I always, I have to remain the best as possible at business and an entrepreneur as possible to lead this business every day. You talk about 75 hard and earlier, that was just a tool Andy Frisella created that is phenomenal that anyone can use to get the discipline. I use it. <clears throat> I mean, I've been very similar path my whole life. I've been drinking water by the gallon probably since I was 20. I've been reading books every day almost since, uh, since I was 22, since someone told me that I needed to read, I had a mentor that under similar philosophy and the eating and the diet I've been struggling with since I can remember, you know, which is a part of it, guys, you want followers, like the way you eat and you betray yourself is a big deal. And the more and the longer and the consistency that you showed, whether it's social media, for example, 
since we talked about that, or in your business or in your community, the more people are going to follow. And you don't need to ask them, you don't need to beg them. And if you're a really good entrepreneur or good leader or good business person or good community activist or whatever it is that you're in and you want to be a good leader also you'll see that people that don't even work for you directly or or work for other companies or whatever come to you and look for you for advice or opinion and you're like oh my god that's weird i never say anything people don't rely on people because they have answers people rely on people because they are sounding boards and they're the ability for people to bounce ideas off so they can grow not be taught at that point teaching is what someone's actively doing when they go to a class or they come to me to be coached like i said we talked about mentoring is more equal and both people grow but honestly even with the interns there's six of them right now that i'm mentoring or coaching sorry it's more of a mentoring relationship because I learn so much about the new world and so much about marketing and advertising and what's being taught in business school now from them as much as they do from me on what experience exposure and all the other pillars of leadership are about or business. So that being said, you know, when you look at it that way, if I'm always in this situation to gain value and to generate value, just as many family members come here voluntarily as, as leave voluntarily because they outgrow the company. And while we've had to fire family members before, I will tell you, there's not a lot of hard feelings there because we are a business and here everyone's family. And so regardless of whether you're blood or not, you're family. And if you hurt a family member, um, that negatively affects the family members as a whole then you you know you're not a part of the family anymore it's not like a real family where you give a thousand chances and blood is blood no matter what and we and that's our bond in this type of family which is different than my father and whatever but my father is my boss in this family a lot of the time not through all my entrepreneurial ventures but in food service partners and in grown strong like he's my boss and better with bacon fat and primal rock. He's not my boss. All right. I'm, I've built them. I own them, whatever food service partners owns part of them, but it's not the same. So transparently, um, it's different. Um, and actually I don't own any grown strong personally, but I, I helped build it. So I have more oversight over it as I transition it over to Mario. So that's just being transparent. Like I build things, I help build them. I find people that are entrepreneurial and we turn them over, but it's family or not family. And Deborah being in the company, you know, she, she started off learning just as anyone else and, and having to do things and get in there and, and start off at the very beginning of making ramen hero in Virginia, as she started learning clients there or um, rolling um, jalapeno poppers, I think, with bacon wrapped jalapeno poppers and all sorts of weird projects we were taking on in Virginia um, that she did a lot of her training in. So, you know, I think that if we're willing to expose people and we're willing to say, hey, it doesn't matter who you are, um, we learn. You know, the intern that, that's been here the longest, that's probably grown the most out of any intern I've ever had. Um, over the last year is Skyler, who's on all the podcasts. He came in, the first day he came into work, he wore shorts and flip-flops. Like, well, dude, like how many times do I got to tell you? No flip-flops, no shorts, go home and change. You know, but now, like over time, slowly disciplining, modeling, mentoring, correcting action, guiding, working with what he's learning in school with what we're doing here and applying it to real thing. He's whether it's in food service partners, better with bacon fat, grown strong, primal rock or not, he's going to go be a very successful human. And he's got a huge leg up over me when I was his age. And he's probably compared to his peers at Georgia college now who are seniors, 
I'm willing to bet most of them don't hold a candle to him anymore. He gets to work at 5.30 every day. He took on a management position every morning from 5.30 to 9.30. And while we're still learning and we're still trying to grow and being responsible as a manager and stuff is different than as an employee and we're working on that, that's a lot for someone to grow. And not all interns have done it and not all humans have done it, but I've given the same opportunities to family members and they haven't done it. So... You know, it's all about if you give everyone the opportunity and it's about winning, no different than Herman Boone. I think family dynamics, um, as long as you treat them that way within work, um, then you're good. I know many people are scared of having family in their business. I know I, I witness it all the time. It, it's an interesting thing to me because if you're building a family in your business and culture and you want everyone to fight for each other as any business should, then how can you not want family in your business? Because if you're a true family, you should be able to create a family at your work that deals with the same type of dynamics and problems and personal issues for the better good that a family should be dealing with also. Because if you're not dealing with that as a family, like, I'm like, why do you even have a family if it's not to pass on something to better the next generation? Obviously, if you have children. Duh. Like, but we rely on other people to do it, especially in America. We're not responsible. Oh, we send the kids to teachers. It's the coach's fault, teacher's fault, mentor's fault, piano teacher. What am I doing? Uh, how about you should be the parent and the leader? Duh. Stop being their friend. So you want followers, you want your kids to be leaders, like it matters. And in a family business, all, every family should want to have a family business. You're already stringing the thread through the needles. You should figure out how to have a family business. It's what you should do. We did it as farmers for an agriculture, but we should figure out how to add value and be a family. Whether or not our kids stay in that business or not, does not matter. But if we're going to build something as a family, we should be using that thread to string those needles. That's how you get followers. That's how you grow. And if you do it in your own family, there's no more proof in the pudding, right? And you can see, I believe it. We see what happens with Zoe and John and, and the support Deborah and I have shown for CrossFit and supporting that and pushing them not only physically, but verbally and giving them the tools they need to succeed. The rest they had to do. They had to find the rest in themselves, but we did our part. We didn't helicopter parents. We didn't force them to do it, but as they did it and they earned trust and we earned trust with them, we all inched our way up to the greatness that they're at right now. And you can do that with family. And if you have those family members, like my dad did with me that come into your business, but also realize that business is business and family's family, but there's also your business is family also. And it all reflecting because how well you do in business or how well the employees do affects your family and their families. Then you realize you're one big symbiotic family. So at the end of the day, you want a symbiotic family that benefits your family. And even in our families, whether we do it or not, some of us set healthy boundaries, some of us don't, some of us exile bad family, some of us don't. We try to make sure that our family core is safe from negative influences or what our opinion is of negative influence, friends, parents, teachers, family members. So why shouldn't our business be any different? We really got down the weeds on that one. Sorry, Elena. But um, I'm going to give you a second to respond to that because I, I have some closing thoughts. I think that was really helpful in, in sharing all of that. You know, even if it's a family business or whatever it may be or not, you have to, you can only do your part and then the other the other parties have to do their part. And I think, you know, the efforts that you've put into developing even your interns, like you're sharing uh, with the intern that has 
just really grown so much throughout this experience. It just shows that you can point them in the right direction. What is the quote that you can take the horse, you can lead the horse to the water, but you can't force them to drink. And I think that's true in terms of leadership in all areas, whether it's with family or not, you can only do your part in, in demonstrating, you know, your expectations or whatever it may be. Um, for each person. And then that person has to be responsible enough for themselves to have that discipline to want to grow as well and want to take advantage of those opportunities. So I think that that was a really good way to wrap up, um, wrap up the topic. I agree 100%. And um, I'm sorry, my allergies are going crazy here. It's the tree pollen in Georgia is ridiculous. Um, you know, here's, here's what I, here's how I think about it, honestly, and how much time I've spent and in a family business. And there were times, believe me, I'm like, why won't you just empower me? I'm like, work harder than anyone else. And why do you treat me different as my father? And I don't do it his way, obviously, like I said, but I do get why he did it, especially as the first generation building the business you know, or quote unquote, the first generation. You know, it's how hard do we push ourselves? How hard can we go as humans? You know, how many more fears have I conquered than my parents? That should be a question we all answer. That'll get you more followers right there. How many more fears in my head or in life have I conquered than my parents? Just a question. Some of you may have easier ones. Some of you may have more difficult ones. But if you can get rid of the fears that were instilled in you by your parents or by your teachers and stuff like that, your potential becomes untapped. You know, so family member or not family member, they see that when I do that. They see that Trevor, who we talked about that works on a team with Elena, went from zero followers to almost 11,000 now since end of June of last year. You know, so we had a lot of experience. He had a lot of things and then we uncapped potential, you know, and it happens. Some people, it takes longer. Some people, they've been working in their field longer, you know, we're starting to see Elena's potential uncap in podcasting, I would argue. Because the numbers are going up, you're obviously getting more comfortable and you're becoming a mom, which gives you a whole other superpower as a woman that a man can never understand. Sorry, guys. We can sympathize all we want, but there is something else there, an instinct, a courage, a protective instinct um, that's different. And we can have it over our whole family um, and our spouses, but women have it on a different level and it's something to be admired. So that type of thing is what happens in our lives. Where do we take those things? How do we use them and how do we display them or portray them or talk about them? That's authentic and vulnerable. And people tell when you're hiding stuff. People see through people so much, even if we don't think we're seeing through someone, we're rationalizing as someone. Oh, I don't, I don't agree with that person. I strongly disagree with them. Do you strongly disagree with what they're saying? Is that why you're so strongly disagree? Or is there something about them that's just rubbing you wrong way? You know, we often take similarities and then take it out on people or things like that. So when we, we do that in our family, we do it at work. So <clears throat> to take this full circle, sorry, I was in the weeds there, is that if you, if you genuinely love and lead with love in your family and at your place of business and as an entrepreneur and as a leader, like love is one of those things that strings a lot of needles. You get a lot of followers with love. Um, it's tough love, like I said, I'm rough around the edges, as everyone says all the time. I'm a little bit hard for people. But again, I, I'm a tough cuss. I don't intend to be. But um, we 
I think love takes that form. It's got to be disciplined and it has two boundaries. One is understanding and kindness and patience. The other side is growth, is confrontation, is hardship, is uncomfortability if it's used as a boundary to help get through hard issues in relationships. So the same is true as a leader. When we can model those boundaries, we can model them in our family with our family members and model them at work. Like who I am at work and who I am at home is the same person. That's the benefit of learning in a family business, quote unquote, as I did. Although most of the people I worked with were never family members. And I certainly was below many people that were not my family members in this company. So... <clears throat> I've just worked. I went back to grad school. I, I became an entrepreneur. I worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. Even as an owner, worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. And I got followers. And I have, and I probably run the largest pieces of the business at this point, if not all the business, some of the time, all of them. But it's hard, right? We have how many people ends and run how many kitchens. So if I've done what I'm supposed to do and grown the people properly, I really, it's, they, they already know what to do. They already live by the core values. They already, if they were part of my family and they've been around me long enough, they know what it takes to work here now after 24 years. There's no doubt. Family member, no family member, you know what you're coming into. You know how hard it's going to be. So I think that that's what it is. Can you find a way to treat everyone in a way and stand by it? Again, how do you get followers? Like if you are, you buckle under one person or you show favoritism to another person or you gossip about people, your leadership following is going to be pretty small. And I would argue that your friend circle is about as big as the followers you're going to get. And if you have a huge friend circle, good, because you guys are all doing something in common and you have something and you're keeping connected with everyone. But what can you do better? You know, I often think small friend circles are better uh, because I'm an entrepreneur now and I have valuable friend circles. But if you're just beginning as a leader, you need to be building bigger circles and finding out um the people that are truly going to be your support system because most people haven't found it yet no matter how old you are um a support system and finding the people that lead to your uncapping of potential really mean putting yourself out there so you want to gain followers also take risks people love that it's attractive sorry i really that was a long one but it's true so I attract family members to work here. I attract college students to work here. I attract people to work here. And it's not because food is glamorous. Um, it's because we are offering more. We're making it more. We're, we're, we provide growth in the human. And... Um, you know, like I said, a lot of people don't stay, but a lot of people do. It just depends on who they are and what they want to do and how big their ambitions are and, and, and whether or not they want to go build their own family, like a family business or different thing, or go join another family or another business because they can make more there or it's better for their biological family, you know, or whatever not saying adoption, all that. I'm not trying to confuse things. So I think there's a lot there to this subject matter, Elaine. I think we're going to be able to break a lot of sub questions out of it as we always do with these, but. Mm -hmm. uh, Definitely. Well, I think that 
really wraps things up perfectly. And I appreciate you sharing and, you know, your transparency with everyone. I think we all appreciate that. Um, just hearing from someone who is, you know, successful in this industry and a successful entrepreneur, really just be completely open and honest with everything um, that works, that doesn't work. And um, we really appreciate that. So thank you. And thank you to our listeners for being here. Uh, Don't forget to connect with us over on social media, leave us a rating and review, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks everyone.